interested. <laughs> I, I, I've never been that interested since the the first three, obviously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A long I mean, time they're... ago. After that, the thing just went down the fucking toilet. And well, it just... yeah, it was it was a travesty, but it was it was a horrible travesty. That the this this new one has much more echoes of the original three than the new ones. Really? Well, it, it's it's not as good, but it's it might it's, make it it's, it's in that it's in that vein. I mean, it's, it's impossible to understate how important that first fucking movie was. Yeah. You know, Lucas's first that was modern science fiction. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, that ushered in the the whole new era of the of the yeah. genre. Yeah, it did. It's terribly important. Of course, we have to talk about bullshit at the gym, so I guess we probably ought to quit talking about this. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd much rather just talk about this. That's fine. You haven't been we, recording. Yeah, I'm recording you? now. Are you? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Maybe we can throw some we, of that in in yeah. the first. But, uh, no, really, that was, uh, as far as uh, important stuff on film is concerned, that one. Well, it changed the nature of science fiction photography. Yeah, I mean, Certainly. this 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 was you before know. I was born that that came out, but everybody I know says that that the special effects that and the cinematography thing. was just it's completely different thing. It, he he invented a new way to shoot space action, and it's you know it's, nothing's been the same since. That's the first time anybody ever seen such a thing. Seventy nine. Or was it 78? 77, I thought. I think it was 77. 77, yeah. was it? 77. it? Nothing like that had ever happened before. Nothing even remotely yeah. similar to it. And uh, he just invented the machinery to do that photography with. And it was good God. Uh, as far as science fiction films concerned, that in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. 2001, I, you know, there are. People will argue with you. Steph doesn't. She, Steph actually does not like 2001. She's, she's something's wrong with her fun <laughs> molecule. Yeah. I she, need. I need to rewatch that. It's. I was probably too young to fully appreciate it. Yeah, last you this. really. You know, it was I, probably about ten years ago. I think I need to rewatch that. You need to watch I, it three times. You have to watch it. Well, I've watched it. Hell, I've paid to see it in the theater fifteen or twenty times. <laughs> 15 you know, or 20 or yeah 15 <laughs> or 15 or 20 a long time ago you know I would any time it would come on I'd go see it because there wasn't any other way to view the film it'd so be, I it'd be cool to see it on a big screen oh God it, it was just absolutely mind-boggling yeah. the final scene yeah. everybody in the theater that's got anything going on upstairs is going <laughs> yeah, Wolf, you, you got to watch I it. I mean, they couldn't talk, you know. It's, yeah. on, it's on Netflix, or get it on Blu-ray and watch it. you got to watch it like three times. Yeah. And, and keep in mind I'll, that it was shot in 1967. 1967. Seven. Six and seven. Yeah. Shot in 50 years ago. And when you think about watch this damn thing and think about the special effects you're seeing. That way they were created in 66. The, they started the movie in 64 or 5. Yeah. I mean, it was a long process, of, but the zero-G stuff, all of that stuff was, and all the effects are on camera, it's the damnedest thing you've ever seen. And it holds up, I mean, you know, if you try real hard, uh, from 2016, you can poke some holes in it, but yeah. 
Not many. And for the past, for the previous, you know, 40 years, the damn thing is just. And it's still, it's still uh, influencing science fiction to this day. Of course it is. God almighty, it's just, you know, Kubrick, yeah. Kubrick did that thing. And, and he, uh, Arthur C. Clarke wrote a novel from the screenplay. So everybody read the novel after they'd seen the movie. And the novel explains a few things. And Kubrick said, if you want to write, you know, because they collaborated on the screenplay and it made the movie, and then the, then the book came out. And he, he said, if you want to go ahead and explain some stuff, that's fine, but I'm not going to. I'm satisfied with it just like it is. None of this needs an explanation. Everybody's going to be puzzled. Good. Let them think. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's... Uh, it's a hell of a movie. It really is. It's uh, uh, it, anything that can hold up in sci-fi that long has got to be really good. Well, because that you know what we, we the real technology that we have today, some of that stuff wasn't even imagined. You know, even even uh, if you look at some of the Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes, which is a show I love, and that's you know twenty-five to thirty years old. Yeah, you know, stuff we have today is sometimes more advanced than stuff that they thought. They were going to have 400 years in the future. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about something, a 50-year-old sci-fi movie that holds up. Yeah, they today, stay away from, he, he stayed away from a whole bunch of things. You know, he's, he predicted some uh, computer graphics pretty effectively. And if you'll watch it, you'll see uh, some of the stuff that he did on, on, on the dashboards of the, of the craft and stuff are just, they look pretty damn good. Yep. You know, you can tell their effects, but they look pretty good. Yep. Coming from 50 years ago, yep. oh God, yeah. Well, the thing is like, well, here's another example. Zeppelin's first album, 1968. Listen to it. It sounds better than anything else. It sounds a hell of a yeah. lot better than... <laughs> yeah. than that, and that, you, could, you could release that album today, and it would be and it would be fine. It would it would sell thirty million copies. The same thing would sell thirty million copies because it was ahead of its time. That's that's like the two thousand one of music, you know. That well, or second album. Those two first two they were recorded within a few months of each other. Oh, really? If I remember. Well, correctly. you you guys have convinced me. I'm this is going to be the next movie I rewatch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me know what you think cuz it's uh it is so fucking cool. The thing is above so many people's heads. And uh uh I remember being in the audience at the theater when uh, when the thing was first watched. Were you in uh so you went, you went to the theater to see uh, Return of the King, right? Uh, that saw that three times in the theater. In the theater. Remember what everybody did in the theater when the thing was over with? There were groups of people that just sat there and talked, right? That's what they did here. People just, people just stayed. Stayed. That's exactly yeah. what they did here, too. They stayed. That's what happened in, in 2001. They sat and, and they were just... Their mouths were open. When they finally got their mouths closed, they just sat and talked to each other. Before they didn't, everybody just run for the door like they do with every other movie you ever see. Yeah. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Same damn thing. Very impactful movie, yep. both technically and and in terms of setting the bar high for the script for a science fiction film. And 
Oh, I think Interstellar tried. Yeah. I didn't you see know. that. You didn't see Interstellar? It's good. I haven't seen that. McConaughey was in it. Uh, who else was in that thing? Uh, who was the Alfred, theme? the guy who plays Alfred in all the Batman movies. Uh, Michael, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah, he was the, he was the lead scientist in that little Matt project. Uh, who was the female interest in that movie? Uh, I can't remember right offhand, but uh, that was a pretty good movie. Pretty good movie. They shot for they shot real high, aimed real high on that. Didn't quite get there, but it was it was a well done yep. movie. Uh, it's one of my recent favorites. Yeah, uh, Moon was kind of good. Yeah. What did What did you guys think of The Martian? I haven't seen that, but I've it's heard a, good it, things about. I that. think it's a damn good movie. It really is good. I've seen it twice now. And uh, a couple of technical errors that the author of the book freely admits he had to use just for plot elements because there wasn't any any other way to, you know, create a plausible way to leave the guy on Mars without a storm, which can't really happen on yeah. Mars. So, uh, so there were a couple of inconsistencies, but other than that one thing, the it was real good. And Matt Damon is an annoying, self-absorbed fuck, you know. But shit, he's good in this movie. He really is. He's he's you done know? pretty good in several movies. I, the, the guy's but talented. I just wish he'd actor. shut the fuck up. I wish he had as much sense as Brad Pitt. Nobody. I'm an actor. I pretend to be other people. Nobody cares about my opinions about the president, so I'm not going to give them to you. And, hey. That's professional, yeah. you know. But Matt feels like Matt he has to use his bully pulpit yeah. to, you yeah. know, be a liberal and shit, be a leftist. Well, Wealthy leftists are always funny. It's kind of cute, you know. They're kind of cute. Wealthy leftists. Oh, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> making yourself feel good. Okay, okay. Pet him on the head. Pet, pet. There you. You go ahead and care. Well, the the alleviation of guilt is a necessary me. is a necessary step. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way they do it. Although it's it's a bullshit facade, but it's of course it's it's, it's strict. They don't ever want to give away all, all all their money. Of course, no, no, we can't do that. That would you know actually relieve their guilt, but they're not going to do that because that would be like uh, serious. <laughs> no, but they they have enough that they can give away that marginal you know a few more percent and yeah. feel feel and, and still make the it. make the condo payment in Upper West Side. Now yeah. some some might say the same thing about a a group of strength coaches that we should just shut the hell up about our opinions too, other than strength coaching. But you know it's it's our podcast, so but it's it's our podcast and a and b nobody's going to watch it anyway. <laughs> well, there's, there's, <laughs> we don't there's have a, 90 million followers on Facebook like Brad Pitt does, and he has the good sense to shut the fuck up. When I get over 100,000 followers on Facebook, I will shut the fuck up about presidential <laughs> politics. <laughs> I don't know. It hadn't hurt Adam Baldwin. It has. Well, he's got a lot. He's got a pretty big social media following. Does he still get jobs? Yeah. Does he still get work? Yeah, he's working. Yeah, he's working from what I understand. He's buddies with Crowder. And uh, he's apparently got a couple of things going on right now. So uh, you did, of course, see Firefly, right? 
I've watched Firefly twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to hard to beat that, isn't it? That uh <laughs> that episode about about the uh the the Jane song episode. Yeah. With yeah. with that, that was, was that was great. That was great. <laughs> there were two or three of those. Uh what about when the bad guy that scene where the bad guy has sent his henchman in to get their money back or something. Or get the get the drugs, right? The train. The the train show. Where they okay. robbed the they, they stole the drugs off the train. They've got the drugs and they're gonna give the they gave the drugs back. Right, because they found got, out what the story was. Because they found out the story and they've got so they got the bad guy's money. I can't remember his name. That was and, the Russian guy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. We got the this, Russian guy's money. So, I remember this bad guy. Yeah, he's he's a very bad man. Had a monocle and shit, like all bad guys. Like all bad guys have a monocle. Now he sends his henchman with the face tattoo, you know, yeah. bad judgment tattoo, and and he's going to come collect the money. He said, "I'm trying to give you the money back. All right? Do you want the money back or not? No, I, I don't want the money back. What's his name? Says he wants your head, and he kicks him." Into the into the intake of the it's an engine, yeah. Engine, and then the next guy. Now I'm going to try to give the money back to you, <laughs> and you're going to take the money back to what's it? That was just that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, that was that the was engine a, just metabolized the guy. <laughs> that was a damn good show. Yeah. It's, oh it's, fuck. It's, that whole thing. It's was, tough that it's it's only got what twelve or thirteen episodes or something like that. Yeah, it's like thirteen episodes, and it's uh, how'd you like to be the stupid motherfucker yeah. at Fox that said, you know, this ain't going over well. <laughs> what? Where's that guy working now? I hope he's like the assistant manager of a Hardee's out on I forty. He's got. He's that, got. That's where got I hope night, he's working. He's got the nice. He's got the night shift. Yeah, yeah. Shift supervisor, not real assistant manager. Shift supervisor at Hardee's. Well, there's a yeah. chance it, it would never have gotten as popular if, if it would have kept going. Oh, I don't the know. That, that there was so much there to fucking explore. Was, that was just and God. Then they tried to wrap it up with the movie, and, and it was just wasn't satisfying. Everybody wanted more of it because the characters are so cool. Yeah. You know, the goddamn Jane was. That's that was an amazing character, but Kaylee was cool and uh, the whole the damn end. thing. Malcolm was just classy hero, you know. Yep. Oh shit! All right, I, I guess we got to talk about uh, the gym, Solace, New York. Solace. Solace, New York. New York is the gym where you're working. I've been criticized for my accent recently, most recently in New York. Everybody's upset with me because when I say the word W-H-A-T, I pronounce it what? And who was it? Somebody was fucking with me about that. I said, look, why do you put the H on before the W? And I, well, how do you pronounce the word W-H-Y? And they, they looked at me with a straight face and said, why? No, that would be W-Y is Y or the letter Y would be pronounced Y, but W H Y demands some kind of a of a of a unvoiced H, right? Because it's in there. It's in the word. It's not a silent fucking H. It's Y. You know, Rip. I don't know. I How don't do you know, say it? I don't know why they did that, and I don't know what they're talking about. Well, Wolf, I, 
Well, Wolf. <laughs> See, if your if your name was W H O L F, I would say Wolf. 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 Right. But there's no H, so I say Wolf. I no, don't think I, this is puzzling at all. I I, I don't. And furthermore, I'm not going to and I'm not going to change the way I say the word what. Okay, I'm not going to do it. And I know you understand that. Not on account of some New Yorkers. Not on account of some Yankees. No. no. <laughs> some, I'm, not, some, I'm not interested some entitled in entitled Brooklynites. It's some Brooklyn moron's opinion of my accent. I don't. I don't care. I'll tell you what. I won't go back. How's that? There you go. I'll just stay in Texas. Well, not in Texas, but in places where they don't say what <laughs> when they mean what. Okay, so Solace, New York, Wolf. You've got a little Solace, program. New York. You have yourself a program, don't you? I do, in fact. It's and, a program. It's, and it's kicking ass. So tell us about how this happened. It is kicking ass. Uh, it's an interesting story how I got involved there. It was about two years ago, almost exactly. I was frustrated with New York, as, as you well know. I was actually thinking very seriously about relocation at that point. And yeah, that in the would meantime, have been a tragic mistake, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> r- 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 remains to be seen. When they blow the tunnels up and you guys are chewing on each other after about five days, human flesh is for sale in the streets of New York because of the panic, because nobody can get out. It, it might be better than what's Mark currently for sale on the streets. <laughs> this is, that this might, is possible. That's a good point. Um, but uh, about two years ago, I was looking for a better tra- place to train myself, and I heard about them and emailed them. They were having their pre-opening you know, memberships, and emailed them and asked if they were going to allow people to train there at their off hours when they're not having classes, and if so, you know, tell me the info about that. And they responded quickly, uh, we are going to have that, but we were also interested in wondering if you were looking to coach for us. And we started the conversation, and one thing led to another, and we made it. We made an agreement that was that was really mutually beneficial for me to run their strength program. Uh, one of the things I really like about Solace is that they're very open to having different people from different disciplines who are specialists come and bring that to their membership. So the the core offering of the gym is a CrossFit, but I have a strength program there. There's a, there's a gymnastics-specific program taught by, um, by a great guy who is an internationally competitive gymnast. Um, there are several other programs there, too, that have people who kind of specialize in those things. And even though they're, all, they're running a CrossFit, they're also very interested in learning from the people who are specialists at various disciplines. So brought me on. We started the strength program. And we modeled it. Similar to the one that they've been doing in CrossFit South Brooklyn, uh, we do an eight-week cycle. So off the bat, you know, it's not, it's not a DTFP. It's not a, a straight linear progression the way that we would run it for somebody who's, you know, doing this unimpeded because we were thinking that this was going to be something that most people in the gym would do as, a, as an eight-week break from CrossFit in order to get stronger because they're, for the most part, by and large, not even close to strong enough. We all know that after the initial period of, I would say for most people, it's probably in the six to nine month range, you know, when they, they make the gains that ev- anybody would make from doing anything, 
that they hit a plateau in their strength and that becomes their limiting factor. And it's pretty simple if you think about it. You know, if, if you have somebody who's trying to do, you know, a, let's just say a generic 21-15-9 workout with, you know, 275-pound deadlifts. Well, if their one rep max is 285, that's not really possible, is it? No. No. It's not. So they're smart enough to realize this and uh, brought me on for this program. So I initially thought, and we all initially thought, that it was going to be mostly targeted at CrossFitters from the gym who we could convince to take an eight-week break, but probably not a 12-week break from what they were doing. And we meet three times a week for that eight-week period. It's an hour and a half, so you have time to do, to do three lifts in a day, so we don't have to cut it short or you don't have to, uh, you, you don't have to only do you know, some ramping sets and then stop. You actually have time to warm up do three work sets, do a different exercise, warm up, do three work sets, and then do your power cleans or deadlifts afterwards. So we meet three times a week for an hour and a half for eight weeks. And at the end of the eight weeks, we do a, you know, what we would call a strength lifting event. Um, you know, at the gym, we call it the CrossFit Total. And, and that's the program. And what we found is massive, massive, massive improvements from almost everybody who's done it. In, even in that short eight-week period. So for, if we're talking about the people who, you know, maybe who will be watching this who are thinking, oh, should I stop after eight weeks? No. Don't artificially stop your linear progression after eight weeks. But as a logistical matter of the kind of program that we were running in a gym, we, we decided on eight weeks as a long enough time to make a solid amount of gains, as a short enough time that we could actually convince a bunch of people who are used to, you know, working out five or six times a week and a lot of these people are doing other things also. Like they're going to like a boot camp class at 6 in the morning. And then they're coming doing CrossFit at 6 o'clock at night. There's a lot of exercise addicts. Or they're doing soul cycle. They're doing all these kind of trendy exercise things and CrossFit. How long could we get these people realistically to stop doing what they were doing and actually get stronger? And eight weeks has worked out rather well. We've had a couple people who have tried to do a few things on the sly that we've had to deal with. Uh, one person actually got kicked out of the cycle because he <laughs> he's actually a good friend of mine so it's funny um, but I had to I had to kick him out because he stopped he, he couldn't stop doing wads but for the most part people are compliant uh, he, he recently had a uh, had a uh, pec avulsion too you were just talking about that injury the other day weren't you yeah yeah so pec avulsions are hilarious They're yeah th this is uh, th this te this tells you about the kind of a kind of guy he is well you know here's the he's, He's just addicted to it. Yeah, yeah. So Some people can't help themselves. And and he's an absolutely wonderful guy. You know, the, the nicest, best guy in the world. But but he's going to kill himself, and you don't want him to die while he's standing there looking at you because that looks bad. It would be better if he didn't die in my class. Right. I would definitely would agree with that. So we looked at that eight weeks as a very good logistical time frame for. You can get a lot of novice gains done in eight weeks, especially with a coach who knows what they're doing. And realistically, you can actually get people to commit to it so we would actually have a viable program that could keep running. Uh, the interesting thing that's developed is we've opened the program to non-members as well. So members usually get first crack at signing up, but after a week or so, we open it to the public. And over the past year and a half that we've been running it, excuse me, it's developed to the point where now we actually have about 50-50. Really? We have people coming from all around the city. Well, that must be interesting to the owners. Different neighborhoods. So we're actually generating revenue that we wouldn't 
otherwise generate from the gym because these people they right. just really want to lift. So the the program now has expanded from one class. We started with one class of ten people, and we expanded to two, and now we have three. Which for the I think this is going to be the third or fourth cycle in a row. This next one coming up, where we are filling three cycles and have a waiting list. Right. Um, it's not to the point. It's not like we have a hundred people on the waiting list, but the cycle is full, and there's several people who are waiting to get in. So well, it's th- kicking ass. It's uh, that's uh, th- this is an interesting observation, uh, and it uh, echoes uh, some interesting stuff that was recently compiled by uh, our friend Nicholas Raculia over in Latrobe, PA, who has. Uh, a nice little program he runs over there. Nick is an economics professor, and uh, he uh, he likes statistics. And what he has recently done is gone through all of the training logs on our website. People that keep training logs on our website and mined mined a bunch of data out of that, and has uh, reinforced what you have just said. This protocol, our our little training method, our our, our starting strength, what is called the starting strength novice progression, is an extremely powerful dose of barbell medicine. It's an extremely powerful uh, stress recovery adaptation cycle stimulator. And even if you do it wrong, if you kind of do at it, it still works pretty well. And that's what you're seeing there in eight weeks. Eight weeks is obviously not optimum, but it's better than everything else. Right. And, you know? and during those eight weeks, they're doing it, they're, they're doing it pretty much by the book as, clo- you know, as close as we can make it. Right. There's a few, there's a few you know, things you have to think about. You know, I, I'm always thinking about I'm trying to make them as strong as possible, more so than, more so than like, you know, peak them for their total, so to right. speak. So I keep them doing their fives longer than, than I might if I, you know, if I had somebody uh, who I was trying to get the best meat total for right. because I'm trying to get them as strong as possible. Sure. Um, as you would expect, you also have a lot of people in, in the demographic who aren't really going to eat the way they need to eat. Oh, yeah. Um, in New York City, I think this is probably a bigger problem that you also have a whole lot of people who aren't going to sleep the way need, they need to sleep. Just well, the way this, Because this, they can't. <laughs> well, whether whether you're talking about the noise, you can't sleep in New York City. Whether you're talking about the cockroaches crawling all over you it's as you the sleep, the city that never sleeps, the rats gnawing on your toes, the, the rats gnawing on your toes, you know, the, um, the bombs you know, the, going off at thirty thousand feet in an attempt to affect an EMP disaster, <laughs> the raids by the federal government on all the restaurants that only accept cash, that kind of shit. It's <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I was thinking of things a little bit more along oh, the lines you of, uh, you know, people tend to work till 7 or 8 p.m. is the norm right. rather than getting home at 5 or 5.30. Drunk but, people knocking on your door thinking it's their apartment and that sort of thing. You have a lot of ideas about yeah. New York City. <laughs> you know, for a place that has the highest concentration of starting strength coaches in the country, you know. I know. I'm I thought sorry. You, you, might have, you, know, soft, be so... you might have softened your stance a little bit. I'll be humble. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being so critical of New York City. Okay, I'll, I'll talk now, to the committee. We'll see if okay, we. Okay, see if the see if the, please don't replace me. Okay, so 
anyway, um, you got a uh, you got a highly effective program there that works real well in the context of uh, of a gym whose stated purpose is, in fact, not uh, strength. Correct. It's, uh, and it's, it's really, honestly, Solace is. I guess you'd have to say it's a conditioning gym. Yeah, I mean, I think really, I think it's probably a little too narrow to say it's that, but that that is probably what most people are going there for. Right. You know, even though they do, like I said, they do have a gymnastics specific program and they do have some other, but for the most part. Well, let's say this. They're going there to exercise, not to train. For the most part. And and for, and for you part. have actually produced a training program within the context of an exercise program. And that's and, good. And it because it works so well, we get a lot of really good um recommendations from the people who have taken it, you know, because obviously when the people who are running the starting strength gyms around the country, they're the owners. So they dictate the entire, um, not just the rules and regulations of the gym, but the culture of the gym is dictated, you know, by the, sure. the people who own it and the people who are coming to train there are kind of already buying into something that's already there. This, you know, the culture of training, the culture of getting stronger. This was an interesting situation that I was going in by myself to a place where that wasn't necessarily the culture. And uh, there still are some people there who are somewhat skeptical about it because the, mostly not because they've had themselves any experience, positive or negative, with it. They haven't done it, but just because that's what they've been told to think by certain mm -hmm. people. Sure. Um, but everybody who's taken the program that I know of, at least anybody who I've spoken about it, you know, people who have taken the program, they all go back and talk to their friends about, number one, how much they enjoyed it. And number two, how much better off they are and what el sure. whatever else they were doing afterwards. Right. You know, we have so many people who have told me on their first workout back, they PR their snatch or their clean and jerk. Now, we're not talking about high-level lifters here who are going to compete, you know, we don't have anybody competing internationally, but even, even high-level for America who are mm -hmm. going to compete nationally. We're talking about your average, you know, run-of-the-mill, average, above-average, slightly below-average CrossFit member, let's right. say. People that just want to lift heavier weights on the yeah. snatch and clean and jerk. Yeah, and we've had some profile. You know, I had one guy who his snatch went from 125 to 165. You know, average guy. Obviously, 165 right. is not a great snatch, but it was 125 before, and he didn't do the damn thing for eight weeks. Right. And the first right. time back, it was 165. Fascinating. So we, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. And uh, if anybody, how force production affects acceleration. As if only somebody would would write a book that yeah. includes this if information. Only somebody would would. Take some high school physics, you know. So, well, it's it's that's good, Wolf. It's uh, it's uh, coming along nicely there. It's coming along nicely. Uh, one more thing I will say about it is probably the biggest thing that helped turn the corner in that culture. You know, it probably would have happened eventually anyway. But the thing that that shortened the cycle, so to speak, is uh, the head coach of the gym, the guy who's responsible for all of the. CrossFit programming and kind of the running of the whole gym overall was already a, a pretty big fan of starting strength, but hadn't really done it. You know, he had read the book, but hadn't kind of absorbed it and really done it. Mm -hmm. And he was interested enough to actually do a cycle himself, which I helped, you know, ta I taught him as if he was a beginner, even though he wasn't. Um, you know, because everyone has some things that they need to learn, sure. which are different than they've been doing. Sure. He took a cycle made some pretty impressive gains, especially for a guy who is kind of naturally skinny and tall and not a younger guy. And, um, and he was sold after that. And he's been a, a major advocate ever since. 
Good. And That's having good. the having the person who's the kind of the head coach of that whole other part of the programming be a big advocate has been really really instrumental in getting the thing, get, not only getting it um, accepted more, but getting more people into it because he's now recommending it to some of the other coaches to people who he's coaching and when he coaches CrossFit. So it's really um, it's really started to permeate the whole culture. Good, good. Uh... What are the uh, chances that uh, we're going to? What is that? That is. What is that? Just out of curiosity. That is the uh, Smooth Ambler Old Scout Seven Year. Bourbon or the rye? I believe it's the bourbon. Yeah, there are, should, there's a bourbon and a rye. I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's the bourbon. Well, I'm not. I'm not good enough to tell you by taste. Well, yet. What does it smell like? Can you smell the corn? I think it's the bourbon. Probably. I think I got this from you the last time you were in New York. We didn't finish it, and I brought oh, it really? home. Yeah. That was the bourbon then. Yep, you're right. That was the bourbon. That's what I left. Have another drink. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised. I'll say this about New York City. The tap water is far better than lots of people's bottled water. It's it's really damn it's, good. It's amazing they, tap water. It really is. They, I'm not they bring it in from upstate. Saying that to try to mend the fence with Wolf, who I don't care about <laughs> mending the fence with. But it's but it's uh it's damn good tap water. I, other people have made that observation too. It's, it's it's actually very good. So tell me about your shoulder, Wolfie. You uh, fucked it up, didn't you? And I you're having it fixed uh, probably before this thing will air. When will this air, Nikki? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, you're having this thing fixed. What Monday? Tuesday, Unless they so change it again? I may be I may be having it fixed as as Nick so, posts it. Tuesday, this airs at the same time you're gonna be under the knife, as as they like to say. So those of you watching right up. now, uh, keep our friend Wolf in your in your thoughts, okay? And uh, make sure that uh, they do the right shoulder. Okay. The the right shoulder, stranger and things the have correct happened. Shoulder. The correct and the right shoulder, all at the same time. What'd you do? How'd you do this? You uh, know, or I did do it know. Just start hurting. No, it was a very specific traumatic uh, injury that happened in the stupidest possible way. Uh, I was. You weren't doing a muscle up, were you? <laughs> no, I was not training. It was not a training accident. I was on a staircase outside. It was a old wooden rotten rotting staircase that the. Uh, all of the finish had worn off of and it was raining and I took a step from the landing onto the stair and I there was no grip at all so as soon as I put my weight down my feet flew out from under me slipped and I was wearing a heavy backpack and I don't know if you can how much of the camera can see me but just instinctively without thinking about it I reached behind kind of at this angle just like that for the banister to try to hold myself right so I didn't fall and it, I didn't even get to the banister as I did that just the force of my reach just I felt it happen yeah. immediately, just tore. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know it was a labrum immediately. I thought it was probably like a, a rotator cuff you know, strain or something. Mm -hmm. um, didn't, it wasn't that bad. I, I happened to be on my way to the airport at the time, so I couldn't even really stop to, to assess it. I had to go to the airport and make a flight. Uh, by about 12 hours later, I could hardly move my arm. Right. Couldn't really raise it above about that much. And it did start getting better slowly, and a few days later I started suspecting it was labrum rather than rotator cuff tear just because of some of the symptoms. 
but it took a really long time to get to where I could do anything past what we would call a warm up. Uh, right. I was able to, you know, I even for for a long time I couldn't squat at all. I couldn't like get my arm back there to squat. Right. Um, I, I messed around a little bit with the safety bar, but it kind of bothered my knees. Um, I couldn't bench at all, and I started pressing the PVC pipe about three days later, and I was able to do with with pain uh, full range of motion. But it took me an awfully long time to to work up to anything that wasn't just you know a light easy warm up weight. Um, it was a pretty bad tear. I tore the labrum, I think, in three places. It was a slap. Good God! It was uh, inferior, and I forget. Uh, I don't have the MRI right in front of me, well, but it was it just disintegrated your yeah disintegrated uh, your labrum. I I tore a bursa at the same time. Yeah, that'll heal. But the, and, uh, the the labrum has to be fixed. So he's going to just go in there and staple it down, basically. He's going to staple it down. And what we found with the MRI at the same time, uh, we found out how much of a freak I am, is apparently I have a, an acromion that's so hooked like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes they're like this, sometimes they're like this. There's a variation. Mine hooks down so much. Hang on, Wolf. I've still got audio. Okay, after uh, a few minutes of uh, monkeying around with, sorry, the, uh, the, uh, the signal here, we've lost uh, Coach Wolf's video. I uh, think it has something to do with uh, uh, the uh, population of New York City. I think there are too many people trying to do too many things all at the same time. And as a result, the audio is gone. So uh, he was just telling us about his incredible hook to chromians. Uh, so I guess they're going to do a Mumford procedure on you. Yeah, so while they're in there, they got to fix the labrum, which is torn in three places. Right. And they're going to sew uh, all that back together. Sew that back together and do an acromioplasty because it's so hooked that even at rest, without any movement of my humerus at all, it's already chopping its way down, macheting its way down into your rotator cuff tendon. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, I'll tell you a little secret. If you got, if the one on the right is that way, uh, the one on the left is probably that way too. Probably. And that'll be something that you'll need to think about in the near future. Uh, that's what I had done. I had uh, both. I had I had a tear in my right, and I was talking to the surgeon, and I said, "What is the chances that this other one over here has not got a osteophyte on it too?" He said, "Oh, zero. Oh. <laughs> so I said, "Well, if I go get an MRI on this thing, uh, will you clip that off for me?" He said, "Yeah, it's a Mumford procedure. We can do that. That won't be near as invasive, near as painful as the." As the uh, the the cuff repair that will inevitably result if we don't go ahead and do that. So I just scheduled that at my own convenience and went in and had it cut off, and I've had no trouble with that at all. So that's probably something uh, that you need to consider doing. Yeah, I mean the truth is it's already it's already happened. At, at my right. first attempt at a meet back about three and a half years ago, uh, the left side, what I have since assumed has been a rotator cuff 
tear. It happened during the uh, bench attempt. Well, and there you have it. I couldn't bench for about five months afterwards, and it hasn't caused me any problems since, but that's almost certainly what it is. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, once I'm healed enough from this to, I don't know, you know, you don't, you don't want to, I'm looking forward to getting back to training so much right. that thinking about doing that in close proximity would, would be a big pain in the butt. Right. But uh, at some point down the line, I'll have to get that looked at. Well, I, give it some thought. Uh, you do have your pain medications all lined out right now, right, for this one that's coming up? I, uh, I have not secured any black market, any black market medications. Wolf, you're in the greatest city in the world. What, what's the deal? I still you're, got five days. I still got five days. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I want the fresh hey, stuff. Hey, even they need some lead time. I think I'd be giving that some serious thought. Uh, you're not going to have enough bourbon. So, uh, not going to have enough bourbon. I mean, I'm. Uh, you're almost out of that bourbon, I'm quite sure. Well, all right. Well, I'm tired of talking to MW on the screen, so we're just going to have to let all of this previously recorded material suffice. Thanks for being with us, Wolf. My sorry pleasure. about the sorry about the the video problem, but in our defense, it is on your end. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Wolf, and thank you for joining us on the podcast, and we'll see you next time.